of you remember where you were 50 years ago about midnight last night? Yeah, yeah. I saw a hand go up. Who do you think? You ain't fooling nobody. (laughs) Raise your hand if you remember. Yeah. 50 years ago, last night, about midnight, Neil Armstrong took the first steps on the moon. I remember very vividly where I was because my father was fixing to leave for Vietnam, his second tour in Vietnam. And we had a family vacation at Lake Murray State Park in Oklahoma. And we'd rented a couple cabins. And we knew that the, uh, that they were, that we knew that they were up there. And I remember going, uh, to the lodge. We were at the lodge and I remember going out on the, the porch of the balcony of the lodge. And remember they used to have those places. They would have those great big telescope kind of things where you could put a quarter in, you know, and, and look and, and all of that. I swear, or I thought, I put my quarter in and I could see them on the moon. I know it's not true, but I sure thought I did way back then. And then I remember going to bed in the little cabin that we had. And I remember a little bit before midnight, I guess, my parents waking me up and saying, you need to come see this. This is history. And a little bitty fuzzy black and white TV at this cabin in, in, in Oklahoma. And remember watching Neil Armstrong come out of that capsule and walking on the moon. Amazing. Amazing event. Sorry, you'll have to come up with your own where were you moments. And every generation does. I don't know, that had absolutely nothing to do with the lesson today. But I just remembered where I was. If you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 14. We were there last week, if you remember. And we looked at the first three verses. And we're, we're in the upper room. This is the night before Jesus is executed. It's the night that he's betrayed. It's the night that Peter disowns him. Previously in chapter 13, he had washed the disciples' feet and talked to them about love. And then last week we got those first three verses in John chapter 14 where Jesus talked about going home. He says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and take you with me that where I am, you may be also. And he said, start off by, you know, don't let your hearts be troubled. You trust in God, trust also in me. Now we stopped at verse 3 last week. But I want us to go on and I want us to see the rest of or verse 4, 5, and 6 this morning. Jesus said in verse 4, after talking about where he was going, you know the way to the place where I'm going. So he had built this place up. I'm going to prepare a place for you. In my father's house are many rooms. I'm going to come and eventually take you with me. And you know the way to where I'm going. And Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you are going. So how can we know the way? Doesn't that one verse kind of sum up the, the confusion And frustration of the disciples. You know, it's one of those things again where Jesus is on one level. The disciples are on another level. We, we think we're so smart. We think we're so in tune with Jesus. But that's because we already know what's going on. We already know what's coming next. 
We got to put ourselves in that situation. Jesus has been telling them all night, I'm leaving. I'm going away. But I'm going to prepare a place for you. And you know the way to where I'm going. And you can just almost see the desperation in Thomas's eye. Whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. We don't even know where you're going. How do we know the way? Okay, you're going to go away. You're going to leave us here. And you say, we know the way to where you're going. And we want to get to you as quickly as we can. We want to follow you to where you're going. But we don't even know where it is, much less the way. And then Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And before we get to these three great I am's of Jesus, it's important to understand what Jesus had been trying to tell his disciples all along. That he was going home to the Father. This, in essence, had been Jesus' destination all along. From the very moment he was born, he was destined to die and go home to be with the Father. You can almost see the longing in his eyes and you can almost hear it in his voice. His destination was in sight. I mentioned last week, I love traveling. But I also love coming home and you know how good it feels when the destination is in sight when home is in is in sight oh years ago i used to take the kids to abilene for bible bowl and you know it seemed like abilene was the end of the earth you just drove and drove and drove and drove and then you got, and then you had to drive and drive and drive and drive to get home. But everything's a matter of perspective, isn't it? Then we started going to Ensenada, Mexico, to the city of children, which basically to get to Ensenada, you head west till you hit the ocean and take a left. 34 straight hours if you drive it straight to get there you go to san diego you take a left what was so funny is the first time we went to the city of children and we're now coming home we passed through abilene and the kids thought we were almost home they're starting to pack their things up they're so excited we're almost home we're in abilene When six months before, Abilene seemed like the end of the earth. And once you get home, once you see home in sight, all the other hardships and tribulations and trials just don't matter anymore. I don't see Deborah. uh, Ayanna, is your mama here today? I don't see Deborah McKay. Is she here? Raise your hand if you're here. No. Okay. Now, Deborah, Deborah would remember... The horrible trip to Brazil of 2007. It was me, Dwayne Magoo, Deborah McKay, and S.G. Boyd. 
And we're flying, and I'm not going to go into everything, but the, the radar system over the Amazon went down, and we got diverted to Santiago, Chile. And because our flight crew had flown as much as they could, they had to rest for 24 hours. So they got to go sleep in a hotel for 24 hours. We got to sleep in the Chilean airport, the Santiago airport, which ain't nowhere to be sleeping. And then we were a day late getting to where we were going to change planes. And, and so we didn't have tickets. And they said it would be two days before we could get from Sao Paulo to Porto Alegre. They said, but if you want to, you can fly from here to Rio. And when you get to Rio, maybe they'll have tickets for you to get from Rio to Porto Alegre. So we did that. Anyway, two days late. We eventually end up in Porto Alegre. And I, you know, it was awful. The only good thing was knowing that it couldn't possibly get worse on the way home. But it did. (laughs) Our plane from Porto Alegre to Sao Paulo was late. We show up, we have 55 minutes before the plane takes off from Sao Paulo to Miami. 55 minutes. And we land and we run to the front desk and they say, sorry, you must be here 60 minutes ahead of time. We can't let you on the plane. And there's not another plane to America for 24 hours. So we have to find somewhere to spend the night and we get to the airport in in. in Sao Paulo, and they say, okay, we've got tickets on the plane for you to get from Sao Paulo to Miami. And I said, yeah, but what about our tickets, our boarding passes for Miami to Dallas? Don't worry about that. They'll give them to you when you get to Miami. I thought, that's weird. I've never had that happen before. So we fly from Sao Paulo to Miami, and we get to Miami, big old long line. We finally get to the front of the line, and they say, you don't have any boarding passes. You don't have any tickets. We don't have any record of you whatsoever. I was not a happy camper. I was ready to just rent a car and drive home from Miami. I finally told them, look, do you see my luggage? My luggage has a tag that says it's going from Miami to Dallas. I would like to go with it. I said it really politely, (laughs) calmly. But you know, once we finally flew from Miami to Dallas and got in the car and we're on our way home, (sighs) who cared? All I wanted to do was get to my bed, my bathroom, my remote, as we talked about last week. This is what we see in Jesus. The writer of Hebrews tells us, fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of God. And what should not be lost on us is that we are on the same journey. Jesus could see the finish line. He could see the destination. He knew it was about over. And we ought to have that same sense that it's just about over, that the finish line is just ahead, 
that we can see our destination. We need the same determination, the same drive, the same desire, the same longing to see God that Jesus had. And with that, we'll look at these three I am's of Jesus. Jesus, first of all, said, I am the way. But I think it's significant, the point that Jesus said, I am the way. And you may notice, go ahead, Jamie. This, the slide's not going to change, just a little red lines, okay? So, Jesus said, I am the way. He did not say, I will show you the way. He did not say, I will lead the way. He did not say, I will tell you the way. Jesus said, I am the way to the Father. It is through Jesus that we have access to the Father. It is through Jesus that we are saved. It is in Christ that we find forgiveness of our sins and redemption, Colossians chapter 1. Jesus is not just showing us. He didn't just tell us. He is the very embodiment of the way to the Father. We cannot get to the Father except through Him. Which leads us to the second significant point about the way is he said, I am the way. He did not say I am a way. He did not say I am one of the ways. You know, around here, there are lots of ways to get to just about anywhere you want to go. Except... Speaking of Melba, I remember when I first moved here and I'd ask her, especially one of you people who lived out in the country or whatever, I would say, uh, Melba, I, w- I want to go see so-and-so. How do I get there? And her reply would be a lot of times, you can't get there from here. <laughs> and what she basically meant by that was she couldn't explain it to me well enough to get me there. Because she would use old landmarks. Well, you got to go down the old such and such road and turn by the old so-and-so place. And I'm like, Melba, I just moved here. I don't know the old so-and-so road or the such and such place. But if I'm going to Tyler, I don't always go the same way. If I'm going to Tyler and I'm going to leave from here, from the church building, I will go Highway 11 to Pittsburgh. And get 271, take it to Gilmer, and then on to Big Sandy. But if I'm leaving from my house, I will go down 259 and pick up 155 at Orr City and then go to Gilmer. I don't know why. To me, it just seems like it's got to be shorter from here to go that way and from there to go that way. It may not be, but in my mind it is. And if it's not, don't correct me. Years ago when our youth minister meetings used to be in Sulphur Springs, I got so sick of I-30. You know, I got so sick of, of Mount Pleasant, Mount Vernon, you know, and then Sulphur Springs. So every now and then I would just leave a little early and I would take Highway 11. All the way through Pittsburgh to Winsboro, Como Picton, and then on to, uh, to Sulphur Springs. Just for a change of pace. But when it comes to salvation... When it comes to our access to the Father, Jesus says, I am the way. 
No one. Now, who does who would be the exception to no one? No one would be the exception to no one. No one comes to the father except by me. And there can be all kinds of different religions out there, different, different, you know, philosophies. We may even think that our own goodness, our own goodness will get us to the father. But it is only through Jesus Christ. He is the way. Acts 4 and verse 12, Peter said, salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to which by which men must be saved. Jesus goes on to say, not only is he the way, but he is the truth. I don't know about you. But I, I long for truth in our society. You know, absolute truth is just hard to come by. In this day and age. In our, and maybe it always was and we were just naive to it. But we have to listen, do we not, to our politicians and listen to every single word. And we have to read between the lines. We have to figure out where they have left themselves a loophole to come back to later. We need truth in our lives. Jesus said, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. And Jesus said, I am, I am the truth. Satan is the liar, the father of all lies. From the very beginning, from the first time we ever meet Satan, what's he doing? Lying. Oh, did God say that if you eat of this fruit, you will die? Ah, No, you won't. You won't die. That won't happen, and he's been lying ever since. Have you ever met somebody that they've lied to you so much you just didn't believe a word that came out of their mouth? That is Satan. Satan is the father of all lies. And how do you combat lies? With the truth. With the truth. And Jesus said, I am The truth. Webster's Dictionary defines truth as reality or actuality. If Jesus is the truth and knowing him sets us free, because he said you know the truth, the truth will set you free. We will be free from sin. But we will also be free from the lies that Satan tells us here. And that has a lot to do with what is important. And what our priorities should be in life. Satan lies to us all the time about what is important. What really matters. These things are important. These things matter. You have to forget about everything else and go after this and go after that and and leave this behind. And, And Jesus comes along and says, no, 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 no. That's all a lie. That's all fake. I'm calling you to truth. I've said this before, we, and I understand how we mean it, and I'd probably use it too, you know, like at camp and things like that, we'll say, you know, uh, we've had a great week at camp, but now we've got to go out into the real world. Well, it's nice to be here at church and to have a retreat or do whatever, but eventually we've got to go back into the real world. 
wrong. This is not the real world. Where Jesus said he was going to prepare a place for us. That is the real world. What is real? That which is going to be done away with? Or that that's going to last forever? Now we get so caught up into it. It it just seems like this is the real world. And it's like talking to the teenagers. Those of us who are old. We may forget. Those of you, excuse me, who are old. We may forget how horrible junior high may have been. I don't know about you. Junior high was awful for me. I still think junior high is just about the worst in the world, you know. And, you know, we could sit there, could we not? And we could tell these kids, well, don't worry about it. It doesn't matter if nobody likes you. It doesn't matter. You know, junior high is going to be over just like this. So, you know, just, just suck it up and deal with it. Is that really going to help? No, because to them right then and there, that is the real world. That is what's going on. That is what's happening. Now, all these years later, we can tell them, you know, it is, it's going to be over. It's not that big of a deal. I know you're not believing me. I understand that, but I'm telling you, that's the way it is. And that's what God is trying to tell us. Quit your fretting and crying and moping and moaning about and going after all these earthly things and all this and all that because this is going to be gone. What matters is the real world. And that's the truth. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I'd like, I want want you to do me a favor. I want everybody to say this with me. Okay? I'm going to tell you what I want you to say with me and then we're going to say it together. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Okay, you ready? One, two, three. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Let's do it one more time. One, two, three. I am the way, the truth, and the life. All right, very good. You know why I wanted to do that? Because so many times when we quote that, or so many times when we sing that in a song, we will say, I am the way, the truth, and the light. Now, Jesus has said, I am the light. That's true. But in this context, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said, I came that they might have life and have it to the full, here and beyond. Jesus had already told Martha and Mary, I am the resurrection and the life. And again, he doesn't just say, I give life. I have paid for your life. I'm the ransom for your life. He says, I am the life. He is what gives us life because we are in him. Our declaration of independence states, we hold these truths to be self-evident. All men are created equal that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Among which are these life, liberty, And the pursuit of happiness. While these are great principles upon which to build a nation. This world and this country can only provide a temporary life. A limited liberty. And only a real dream of happiness. True life. True liberty. True happiness. Are found only in Jesus Christ.
The life Jesus offers is beyond the life here. It is eternal life in the very presence of God. Jesus makes it very clear. No one comes to the Father except through him. If you are not in Christ today, you have no way to the Father. You're just driving around and around and around in circles. You know, we got the one roundabout here in Dangerfield. Why? I don't know. But we got the one roundabout, you know, there in Dangerfield. In in England, it's a way of life. They don't don't make right or left turns or right turns. You know, everything is a roundabout. And you may have nine roads coming into one roundabout. And if you get in the wrong lane, well, actually, we're going this way because we're driving the wrong way there. And, uh, you know, and if you miss the, you know, oh, but, and, and you can actually get caught on one of those things and just drive around and around and around till you run out of gas and never go anywhere. Now, the good news is if you miss it, you just got to go around again. <laughs> but if you are not in Christ, you have no way to the father. You have no access because Jesus says, I am the way. No one comes to the Father but through me. We are saved by grace through our faith in Jesus Christ. And that faith includes repentance, confession, baptism as we put him on, as we put Christ on. Maybe you've done that, but you parted from the way. Now is the time to get your life back in line with he whom is the way, the truth, and the life. If we can help you this morning, we invite you to come now as we stand and as we sing. We hope by listening to this lesson, you have found a better understanding of the Bible. And through that better understanding, find a closer relationship with God and His Son, Jesus Christ, our living Savior. If you have any questions or desire more information, please feel free to contact us here at the Dangerfield, Texas Church of Christ. You can find us at dfield.org. That's D-F-I-E-L-D. C-O-C dot O-R-G. Or you can email at dfieldcoc779 at aol dot com. Or you can call us at 903-645-2896. If you are local to the Dangerfield area, we would love an opportunity to meet you and encourage you in person at 818 818- West W.M. Watson Boulevard, Dangerfield, Texas, 75638. Our meeting times are Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m. for Bible class and 10.30 a.m. for worship service, Sunday evening at 6 p.m. for worship service, and Wednesday evening at 6.30 p.m. for our midweek Bible class. Grace and peace be with you always.